Blockchain. 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 Blockchain não, não vai, vai salvar, salvar o mundo. mundo. Nós vamos salvar o mundo. Well, that was a bit different. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to season two of Blockchain Won't Save the World. Thank you, everybody who listened during season one. And in this season, we're going even bigger and better. We're going on tour. I want to bring you stories from people working with blockchain and exponential technologies from around the world in some of the countries that get less visibility, but that are doing some of the most interesting and important work. I also want to be able to surface some of the stories, the history, the culture and community from some of the countries that we get to talk to over the course of this season. And we're starting off with a big one. We're going to Brazil. We're going to be talking to a wide range of different people working in enterprise, governments, startups, people who are influencers in the space, in academia, to give you a rounded perspective of what blockchain looks like and sounds like in Brazil today. And over the course of the following episodes, we're going to be hearing from countries like Israel, India, Singapore, and a whole bunch of others. So stick with us, strap in, because this is Blockchain Won't Save the World on tour. So let's get straight into it. As you might have noticed, we've upped the production quality, we've got some new theme music, and also we're going bigger on the guests. We're going to have a number of different voices over the course of this episode, and we're going to start with some exceptional individuals. Hosini Kadamani, she's the CEO of Blockchain Academy, Gladstone Arantes from the Brazil Development Bank, and Kiko Duarte, he's the head of blockchain in Latin America for IBM. And they're going to give you an introduction to how is blockchain talked about in Brazil today. And full disclosure, some of the audio quality isn't perfect on this. We're recording in people's houses from halfway across the world, but we'll do our best to clean it up as we go along. Nowadays, people get to know more about blockchain. At the beginning, we were all taken by all these discussions, making a difference between the hype and what was about to be concrete was a little bit more challenging. But I understand our society has matured as much as others uh, with the understanding of the potential of this type of technology and making a difference between what is more, you know, general marketing effort or more concrete potential. So I understand people here know more. And I can say that we were part of this preparation through our educational project as well. At least for the first generations, we were a relevant part of the preparation of the professionals. Brazil is not properly a technology country as, let's say, India, because we're not focused on that in terms of education generally as a society. But we have a particular situation, which is we are a very creative society and we have lots of obstacles and difficulties. So Brazilians work on very particular solutions as well. If we give space to this type of people with this type of needs, then we can have very interesting solutions coming out also. And that's how I see technology being explored in Brazil. We all had the chance to somehow bring this discussion to a governmental level. So even though it's a very large country, even though we have lots of severe problems like economics or health now, or you know politics and so on. So we are starting to see solutions related to the government as well, which is very much interesting for the progress of this type of project. We are now seeing solutions relating to health, relating to identity. So we're not very much far from other countries in this sense. I would say even we can be in a very advanced position in certain topics. We're now seeing, for example, our uh, social security technology company creating projects, for example, in which information about our tax numbers would be shared among certain entities and information about us would be also be shared in this type of infrastructure. So it's really at the center of the discussions of individuals, Brazilian society having its information somehow managed with infrastructures relating to blockchain. We are also seeing really interesting discussions 
relating to decentralized identity based on blockchain. In this case, mostly in a preliminary stage, but things are moving quickly in terms of discussing who should be taking care of people's identity and information. So things are working in parallel, but really in really relevant authorities here in Brazil. For me, blockchain is an institutional innovation. It's a new way of creating institutions. It's very broad thinking, I know, but that's what I think only blockchain can do. And that is more important for countries like Brazil than for countries like, you know, uh, United States or Europe. That's why I'm really interested in the technology. It's not only transparency, it's more than that. It's about trust. When you put a smart contract, people know how things are going to happen. And this is huge. And this is what governments would like to do and people don't believe anymore. So that's how important I think blockchain is for us. Brazil is a very rich country, is a very young country, is a developing country. So we have a very solid banking system. We are a global leader in commodities production and food and steel and a lot of other products. So Brazil is a place that thrives for efficiency. So we have this urgency to grow in a lot of ways, in a lot of industries here, but we also lack a lot of efficiency. Brazil is a very open place. We had, we are having now a significant change in the, the talk about blockchain. We started, of course, as everyone else, uh, talking about crypto and Bitcoin and all this stuff. This, this is a relevant theme, but now we are kind of changing more seriously to enterprise blockchain. So we have a challenge to be more efficient. We are very inefficient in, in a lot of ways, in terms of processes, in terms of internal processes and network processes, you know, uh, and government and even in, in the infrastructure part and all this stuff. So we have also a culture of, of course, this is a, a good opportunity for blockchain. Also, a little lack of trust between the companies. So because we are growing so fast, we still have these aisles of, okay, I can do by myself, I can do by my own, I don't need everyone else. So, so we still have this. Now it's, it's changing a bit, but we still have some resistance on this network overview of what the, the companies are doing here in Brazil. And, and this is very challenging when we talk about companies working together, you know, and this is the biggest theme of enterprise blockchain is companies working together to solve business problems. The last thing that is something related to Latin American culture, but here in Brazil is we have less impact on that, is that we are kind of late adopters for new technologies. So Latin America just wants to wait if the technology is solid for them to develop, start developing things. But Brazil, we have a, a different view on that. Yes, we are late adopters in, in some sense, but one thing that I'm seeing is a need and a passion to to change this. So blockchain, not just blockchain, but in my world of blockchain, we are seeing a very fast-paced movement of innovation. The market is changing, the heads are changing, the, the schools are changing. So we have this, this eagerness, this willing to do new things, to create new things, to make new things faster and better. Next, we're going to hear from Tatiana Hivoredo, one of the most respected experts on blockchain and smart contracts in Brazil, who's worked with the European Parliament and worldwide on the topic of blockchain and blockchain adoption. And also, Renato Lopez from Itaú Unibanco. He's got deep expertise in blockchain for financial services, and they're going to talk us through some of the best known examples of blockchain technology in Brazil today. 
in Brazil, there is an increase in adoption explained by the increase in public-private partnerships in recent years. But a recent global study entitled Digital Transformation shows that Brazil is a country with the lowest level of maturity and the most lagging behind the other evaluated nations when it comes to the adoption of technology such as big data, blockchain, artificial intelligence. I believe that the biggest challenge now in Brazil, specifically about blockchain, is to create a single plan uh, that is strategic to prioritize the implementation of blockchain technology investments. I think this is the most important thing we should do now. Crypto assets, it's a, a great case here in Brazil. I think we are the, the country that is most interested in crypto assets, according to a, a research from Consensus. About 30% of Brazilians are really interested in crypto assets. But what I believe is really interesting and Brazil should care or pay attention is in the use of blockchain for transparency in the government, also in agribusiness. In fact, there is a group of companies uh, that operates in Brazilian agribusiness like uh, ADM, Cardio, Bunch, launching a project that hopes to be the largest project to use blockchain in agribusiness worldwide. Brazil is the key piece of one of the largest global project to use blockchain in agribusiness. And this project, which was scheduled to start this year, but I don't know now because of the pandemic, uh, this project intends to use DLT for cargo exported by these companies. Also, we have another project like one that calls FinID, Financial ID, a project developed through CPKD that is a research center. In fact, it's, the, it's a center of technology, one of the biggest center of technologies in Latin America. So in this project, the intention is to use this financial ID in other projects coordinated by the National Central Bank, such as open banking, which involves the exchange of user information between banks and their new platform for instant payments. FinID makes it possible to implement this project as it gives user controls and management to access their data. Probably you should know that with a decentralized digital identity, this credential made up for personal data and different identifiers is in the user's possession. So the users can own their own digital identity. So I think it's a good use case here. Since I work in the financial industry, I'd like to mention that it was created in 2016, the Febraban Blockchain Working Group. Febraban is the Brazilian Federation of Banks, and since 2016, we did some proof of concept, and we have been studying the impacts and benefits of blockchain for financial institutions here in Brazil. Of course, one of the main challenges is about governance. Also, since fraud is the common enemy here, and I believe all around the world, our last cases in this working group are related to fraud prevention. Another important milestone that I'd like to mention regarding the blockchain scenario was that recently you have a project that went to production. Four companies announced that a blockchain project launched in production last month in August, and the project is a case for receivable registration using blockchain. The CIP, it's the Câmara Interbancária de Pagamentos, it's a kind of settlement entity owned by the banks. B3, which is one of the largest financial market infrastructure companies in the world, it was the Brazilian Stock Exchange, and two other companies, they launched the, the project. It's based in Corda, and the project allows the interoperability among those companies, and it will avoid the double registration, and it will mitigate market risks once the, the receivables cannot be used more than once. Another relevant case is that I'd like to mention here in Brazil, not really connected to the financial system, but interesting cases are the following. One is, is related to digital identity. It's known 
as DNI, Document of National Identity, something like this in, in English, okay? It's been uh, developed in partnership with our electoral superior court. And this, this is an organ from the government and they have the biometry of millions of Brazilian citizens. So the idea to have a, a digital identity solution based on blockchain is really interesting. Another interesting case is the RNDS. It's a kind of national health data network. It's managed by the Ministry of Health in Brazil. And they created the, the blockchain network connecting all the states, 26 states and, and the federal district. So they are planning to use this network to register the vaccination of our citizens. So maybe Brazil can be the first country in the world to register the vaccination against coronavirus using blockchain technology once the vaccine is ready. Another initiative that I'd like to mention is the BCPF, Tax Revenue Service here from the government, is the BCPF. CPF is our security social ID. So they deployed a, a solution using blockchain to exchange information among different government entities. So they launched the BCPF, which is a G2G, government to government solution that will be used to share information about related to social security documents among many government entities. Another case that I'd like to mention is related to BNDS. It's our National Bank for Social Development. One of the cases that they develop is the true budget. Since 1918, BNDS started a partnership with the German Development Bank, KFW, for a greater control of the life cycle of the Amazon Fund's financial operations through the application with blockchain technology through budget. So it's the, the name of the, the technology. And it's really interesting because we are talking about a solution to control financial operations related to Amazon Fund, which is really interesting for many countries, or I believe for all the citizens in the world, since Amazon is a, a very important asset. Also, BNDS has launched the BNDS token. It's a, a stable coin paired with Brazilian real, our currency. And BNDS token is a solution designed to track the application of public resources in credit operations with public entities, providing society with information in a transparent manner on how these resources are promoting the country's development, which is really interesting for Brazil. Uh, since we have many people that need to be included in the financial system. Another important case is the RBSFN. On June of 2019, it was announced the, the RBSFN, uh, the National Financial System Blockchain Network, in partnership with FEBRABAN, Brazilian Federation of Banks. The network is operated by CIP, which is a non-profit association that is part of Brazilian payment system. The cases we've been discussing to, to run on this blockchain network from the financial systems are related to fraud prevention. Um, besides this, I'd like to mention other relevant initiatives here in Brazil. One of them is Original Mai, which is a, a company that moved to Estonia because it's a blockchain-friendly government, so they have operations there. Another one that I'd like to mention is Growth Tech. Growth Tech is a, an IBM partner, and they, they have an interesting case. They registered the birth of a baby here in Brazil. So it was the blockchain baby, which was registered in the blockchain. It was really an, an interesting, interesting case. And also, Growth Tech is working with a real estate contracts. Another case that I'd like to mention is Banco Maré a blockchain-powered digital bank focused on financial inclusion. And also, I'd like to mention Moeda Seeds. Moeda Seeds is a company that was created here in Brazil, and they facilitate access to financing, and they offer technical support to businesses through the Moeda Seed program, while adhering to the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals in order to provide projects to contributors to 
the platform who are seeking a more just world. The last case that I'd like to mention here in Brazil is related to CPQD. CPQD is an independent institution whose main objective is to increase Brazil's competitiveness and further the digital inclusion of the country's society based on innovative information and communication technology. They have a program to develop blockchain cases and they are really doing a very interesting job. To fully appreciate blockchain in Brazil, I also wanted to make sure we covered some of the most interesting and important startups in the community today. So we're going to hear from Izaki Eberhardt, CEO and co-founder of Agrio, Deborah Aguirre from Henkel, and Igor Ferreira, he's the CEO and founder of Foja. And we're going to get a cross-section of some of the learnings and experiences from working in blockchain in agriculture, for sustainability, and for energy. I saw the blockchain technology a couple of years ago as a potential uh, way to solve that problem. So basically, I personally see and start to engage with the blockchain technology uh, as a way to, to, to bring new services for this, for this amazing community of farmers, which are, uh, in the Brazilian case, only 15% have financial services today. For me, it's more or less like a way to have trust into the financial services in the agribusiness community. Agri is a, a risk intelligence provider in the agribusiness finance where we deliver to financial institutions, agri-corporations or trading companies the ability of analyze, monitor and engage with farmers over their locations. So basically analyzing what's going on in each crop field and raising to the institutions credit score, risk assessment, history of the place, and so on and so forth. So basically, they can have a way to monitor their portfolios, to engage in a better way, to look to the farmer's development with trust proofs, and the blockchain come along as a way to validate everything, to have data and results, trust proofs. Agri serves as a, a way for more farmers get access to financial services, and companies have a better way to interact with farmers and with other peers too. So a bank can have trust from an insurance company because they are using data to decide. So the insurance company don't need to go around of all audit process and so on. So it's basically bringing financial institutions in the agriculture space to a next level of trust and capabilities to work. The blockchain technology today, it's proven itself enough to be critical, for example, for agri to deliver uh, results about, for example, analysis of a crop field for a farmer, but deliver that results, for example, credit score, risk assessment, projections, but deliver that attached to the trust proofs, which means companies don't need to trust agri, they don't need to trust bank or institution. This solve the problem of mistrust between peers. This solve the problem of no financial history for farmers and improve the capabilities of companies and, and financial institutions to evaluate those farmers. Because imagine year after year and after year, you can have the records. It's the only, only way we can really solve the, the absence of finance today, which 500 million families around the globe which depend on agriculture and have no access to financial services, we will have a chance. Since we started the, the, the development of agri, we have been trying to do uh, this uh, trust-proof infrastructure uh, for financial services in the agribusiness in different ways. We've come from public blockchain, try strict private ones, and then we come to another set of decisions with some trade-offs in the time, the duration of the process, cost, speed, and so on and so forth. One of the key takeaways from this process is we will need to have multiple types of blockchains in different applications. It's clear now, in the beginning, I was too much passionate about some flavors of blockchain, let's say. Today is much more clear. We have, for example, to use more data-specific infrastructures, which you can do cheaper and faster transactions, not too much worrying about other aspects. 
but will take some time until you have a, a network of networks, which each network will be a different blockchain for a different purpose. This will change a lot of perspectives in this space of digital services. So last year it was introduced to ourselves by BSF, that is a strategic supplier uh, for Henkel, a really interesting project that is called Resi Chain, that it was basically building a blockchain platform that will involve a lot of global companies and just to start creating a new system from scratch. We cannot do this by ourselves. So we cannot do this by only one company or one part of the society because actually only 5% of the total waste in Brazil, it is being recycled and it is going back to the chain. So it's indeed we cannot do this by two companies and so on. So breaking this mindset of the people about how to dispose their waste and how they are going to be responsible of their waste after putting it into the ecosystem, then I think that this is the major challenge that we are having currently in Brazil. I believe that blockchain, it is happening right now. The thing is that we are building all the tools, we're being all the digital platforms. The challenge that we are having in Brazil is that we need people to be on board with that blockchain because it won't work if only one part of the society or only one part of the companies are using this blockchain platform. So what is ResiChain? ResiChain is a consortium of global companies and a digital platform that is going to enable a complete new system of recycling activity in Brazil. What is different from other programs is that we are bringing four different things. The first one is the additionality. So somehow the capacity that we are currently having for processing new recycling materials and collecting proper materials in order to be recycled is really low. So what ResiChain wants to do is just to increase those levels of capacity and segregation of material to have more recycled material into the market. The second thing that we want to do, and that is different, is the governance. And that's why we want to work with global companies, because somehow we will have a bigger footprint in a faster way. And even more, we can roll out this into the region of Latin America in an easier way. So it's not talking about only Henkel or BSF, but also talking about our suppliers. And because our suppliers are the ones that are going to bring those recycled materials and put it back into the chain, into the ecosystem. I think that the third one is the one that is most important for us as well, that is very different from other blockchain or, or other tools, and is the social impact. Because this is important to mention, here in Brazil, how we segregate the material is by a certain society that are waste pickers. Those waste pickers are working in a huge pile of waste, huge dumps, and basically they are segregating, they are picking up the materials and picking up tin cans, glass materials in order for them to exchange them for some money. So their conditions are totally unsanitary and unsafety without any safety conditions. So with Resid Chain, we want for also the, the, the consumption of companies to invest in that part of that society. So at least they can have the proper conditions and the proper know-how on how to segregate better the material. Because I believe that this is the pain point that we're having in Brazil. As we are not having even a good part of segregated material, a good quality of segregated material, then somehow almost anything gets to be recycled. And somehow we do not have any options of packaging products and so on made of recycled resin. Either they are not of good quality or they are very expensive that perhaps we cannot use it in the 100% of our packaging. And somehow these are the three major things that I can say that ResiChain is bringing into the blockchain and is adding value into the existing programs, for example. So how the blockchain is working in ResiChain is because we also want to bring the material traceability. So by including this blockchain technology, we are going to be able to identify what's the plastic that you put into the ecosystem and what's the plastic that you are using again after it was being recycled. And with this blockchain, we are going to generate those tokens 
and the tokens what are going to be used is so we can transfer to another supply chain just like bsf henkel and so on but also those tokens are going to be useful for other companies to confirm to the government that we are being recycled because currently in brazil we are having a law that is not completely enforced yet but a law that is demanding from the brand owners to at least prove that 22% of our waste packaging is being recycled so somehow these tokens and these blockchains are going to be useful for the private companies also to prove to the government that at least 22% of our packaging of our waste is being recycled. Pohal was launched in 2017 with the idea to provide a second use for batteries that were coming from hybrid vehicles. We call that better second use. And the idea was revolving around blockchain in peer-to-peer transactive energy when it comes to microgrids. And then we started working around that and then we realized that uh, we could expand further the concept of trading when it comes to peer-to-peer networks. And then we start to develop this uh, trading solution, this over-the-counter solution for our market because the Brazilian market is still opening in terms of energy sector. We don't have like an energy exchange differently from other countries. We use a lot of over-the-counter for the bilateral transactions in the in the energy market. So we decided to launch a tokenized over-the-counter. In the bilateral market, you have this default, this bilateral defaults between the companies. And that happened in the beginning of 2019 in Brazil. And we realized that by using blockchain, it was possible to increase the safety and it was possible to use tokens in order to make this more accountable for the counterpart that we're trading inside the platform. We are working a lot on that, on the trading side, and we are also working with IREX, which are the, the certificates for the, for the renewable energy, so we can track the, the source of that renewable energy and also make that uh, available in a kind of a global IREX market. Our solution is working to solve, especially the bilateral default that happens in over-the-counter markets. So when we think about that uh, and, and we think about the need for a central counterparty to work with the clearinghouse rules, so we are trying to embed that clearinghouse element inside the ledger technology. So we are using the ledger technology to create a way to promote or a better solution, I would say, for the settlement of the contracts. In that sense, the ledger technology support for part and counterpart to trade. Then we, we use a second layer token in order to make all the settlements and the payments that happen also in the same environment. So we have the contract flows that are happening. So we use the smart contracts to provide that. And also we have the financial flows that are happening for the settlement of those contracts. So we are using this second layer token to provide the settlement and all the financial that is needed in this over-the-counter environment. So that is the basic idea that we are trying to solve by using blockchain technology. I think some of the key learnings that we had is that you need to, to have like babe steps when moving forward the, the solution. You have several ways to solve a problem. You need to evaluate if blockchain is the best solution for you to solve that problem that will also generate value. And when it comes to working with partners, we decided to work in a model of open innovation. So we don't provide a solution that's going to be sold to a specific partner. We build that solution together with the partner to share the value of what we are doing and also to build together. So uh, when we are moving the solutions like from proof of concept to MVPs and we validate that it's really solving some issues, then we embed the partners like in the open innovation model, working with them, we share the, the intellectual property with them. And then we make that more valuable for both companies that are working together in order to bring that solution to the market and then really address. So I think this is a key learning how to work in cooperation with the big players, especially in the energy sector, but in a way that uh, we can provide value for both companies. 
And so what about the blockchain community in Brazil? Gladstone and Izaki are going to give us a deep dive into what is a hugely diverse and really interesting cross-section of society interested in blockchain in Brazil. I think that blockchain community in Brazil is very diverse somehow. I could say there are three different kinds of communities going on. Well, the one community is enterprise-focused. People that are working with big companies, with big banks, trying to make those those applications, those use cases of tracking origin of products, making exchange of value, value and assets between big banks, things like that. And there are other kind of people that are more, you know, cypherpunk oriented. <laughs> that guys that, you know, want, want to change the world, uh, work in crypto market, uh, work with DeFi and uh, permissionless blockchain, Ethereum, Bitcoin and constructing a, a real revolutionary things or even new new blockchains. Both communities talk a lot, but they are very different when you look at them. And there is a third kind of community. There is the government one. There is a lot of things going on on government. And governments in the plural, because you have the, the federal government and many state governments doing things. And those guys, they are not exactly like the first and the second. And so I think there, there is a diverse community. And people talk too much with each other, a, a bunch of uh, WhatsApp groups and Telegram groups, people talking about the price of Bitcoin or blockchain technology and DeFi. So I think it's very diverse. The Brazilian community around the, the blockchain DLT technology is very spread around the country. In fact, you see from north to south different perspectives. So, for example, you have a very strong, in the northeast of Brazil, you have a very strong academia presence. So one of our tech guys in the team, for example, is uh, come from the northeast. It's an amazing blockchain developer and come from the academia. So in the beginning, doing projects inside the university and learning in 2017, 18, and now it's a pro, operates in any one of the major blockchains in the space. And then you go to other regions, you will see very strong startup ecosystem. So in Sao Paulo region, you will see different approach for the, of the community, some nascent DeFi guys, some projects starting to be tested there. And more in the south, you will see lots of applied to the supply chain in the agriculture itself. For example, some companies in the south of Brazil are doing transformation of animals uh, registry from the paperwork, which is traditional, every municipality doing all their paperwork, and they need to send that by email to a central in the state. The state needs to send to to the federal government, it's a kind of complicated stuff. So they are developing, for example, there are some companies developing solutions around digitize all this process, which means the each cow, for example, has a registry in the, the beginning, they already have a number in a, in a book, let's say, and they start to have a registry open and trustful from the day they born to the, to the last day. So it's basically, Total different approach for the, the supply chains, for the, the, the market itself. So it's a very different ecosystem. What I would say is we still need to develop more people in the South America region in general. In the Brazil, in Brazil ecosystem, would be great to have more talent working on that. There are a huge demand for smart contracts around transactional uh, data around proofs in the supply chains, around some other uh, technologies. In the agriculture, is huge, the, the demand. So we still need to help more the universities, the meetups, the groups, the startups to develop more, to bring more people to the ecosystem because the opportunity here is, let's say, a, a, a trillion dollars opportunity for South America and maybe Brazil has a good share of that. So we need to keep going with this development of the community, but change a lot. In the last three years, you see 10 people talking about in 2017, 18. Now you can, you can have a, a full meeting on 
any platform with huge numbers. So it's amazing the progress. And this more or less, I guess, is the sense of global too. So it's, we are more or less in the same page on the other regions in terms of more people in the community. So we've seen a number of examples of where blockchain is being used for public sector, private sector, and startups having great success. But what more is needed to scale? It gives me great pleasure to bring onto the show the exceptional Mauricio Magaldi. He's a good friend and somebody who knows the blockchain community better than almost anybody. Mauricio, Kiko and Renato are going to give us their perspectives on what more is needed to see wider blockchain adoption for the right reasons in Brazil. The differentiating factor in Brazil is because we're not a largely educated country, so we're known for our social inequalities uh, and in education is no different. And even with the educated folks, there's little education towards finance or technology. So I think one of the things that I see that in Brazil, blockchain is a niche, not only because it's a niche in and on itself, but because it's so far off from the reality of the majority of the Brazilians that it doesn't even cross their minds that there is such a thing. So I think the very core of where blockchain is discussed is either on academia, where there's a number of things happening, or in the um, high yield industries like financial services. I think a concentration of that, not only because of the nature of the subject, which is very you know, could, could be very complicated, but also because it requires a level of education in multiple subjects, be it computer science, cryptography, financial services, network computing, cloud computing, all of these factors that even when you speak about like blockchain with a C-level executive in Brazil, if they're not into it for whatever other reason they have, it's going to be a long journey towards understanding what blockchain as a technology is and what the implications are. I think that sort of divide, it's not specific to Brazil. I, I would assume any developing country would have that. But I think because I'm embedded into this in Brazil, I think that is a very crisp definition of how I think Brazil is. We have so much to go through before this is a widespread subject in general society that I think it's going to be a niche for ages to come. To be able to increase the number and the size of blockchain projects, especially in the corporate space, I think to add more cooperation across the industries. Blockchain, as one of our good friends usually say, is a team sport. And being a team sport, it requires you to have multiple players of multiple types to be able to have a very diverse and very strong group. So I believe that the use of industry associations, partnering with regulators, and also even cross-industry associations, we will be able to see more solutions, more than just projects, blockchain solutions really come into fruition and uh, bringing about the benefits that they are meant to bring. If you think about the, the classic use cases on logistics or digital identity, these are very profound infrastructure use cases with blockchain that pretty much anybody would be able to benefit from. The only thing prevent from happening is really organizing the players around the problem space and then choosing where to start and start small and grow fast and increase the size of the network or the features according to a very well put together governance, which is again, not always technology, it's just people trying to balance their own incentives. So I think for Brazil to be a bigger player in the blockchain space, the only thing I would add is to be more cooperative and have a little bit more openness to uh, governance and cooperation in industry and across industries. Regarding what more is required to scale the use of blockchain DLT in Brazil, I believe that the main challenges are, are related to infrastructure, as you know, scalability investment to change current applications and provide interoperability, it's a, a challenge. Of course, the governance, network creation, rules and coordination, it's, it's really a challenge. If we think about blockchain like a decentralized solution, when it comes to the governance, it would be easier to do 
the governance having a central entity, which is a, a, a paradox, right? So it's something that must be addressed as well. Regarding the regulation, we have been advancing in the regulation, but we still have many opportunities to be a good place to invest in new technologies. And last but not least, education. As you may know, the reputation of the technology has some challenges, many of them related to cryptocurrencies, but blockchain itself, I believe that the ones that they know the difference and they know that cryptocurrency is only a case that runs upon a blockchain network, for instance, they can separate this. But of course, for most of the population, they have this confusion. So we have to address the technology reputation and the lack of technical expertise compared to, to top countries. We have many developers here, but we are still on the way to have many people with the right expertise to develop in blockchain. And the last point regarding education, I believe that we still have a lack of executive awareness I believe it would be necessary to have a more awareness from, from for the sea level in order to have more projects going to production using blockchain. I think that we need to scale up the discussions. I don't think that was a lost time. This is not the, the right way to say that the focus was almost entirely on the technology. So what I used to say is that the technology is very important, but it is not the, the major theme when we talk about blockchains. And this is very interesting because when we are working with business transformation projects using blockchain with the clients, there is this first moment when we make it real for them. They see the application, they see the value, they see the results, and they get excited with that. But when comes the discussion, okay, this is a sports team, you need to talk with others. Now is the time to develop the ecosystem. And now, okay, this is the second moment. I, I didn't think that much on that. I didn't think that much on the impacts of these network effects and all this stuff. So I think that we need to challenge and to challenge the market to think more about governance, about business impact, about network effects. This is something that is very urgent for our reality here in Brazil. So it's not just about another technology. Blockchain is not, is not another technology. It's a, it's a business view, a business architecture that embraces technology parts, very important technology parts, but it's about the business. It's about the business problem. It's about the network. It's about the need of trust. It's about confronting fraud. It's about uh, conciliation. It's about traceability. It's about how we can interact. How can we better interact with others? I think this is one of the very urgent needs that we have to scale better. And also for the IT guys that are very key for the process, they, they need also to understand the business aspect of blockchain and the business transformation of the blockchain. We've covered a huge amount on the show today, and I want to thank every one of my guests for sharing their experience and knowledge. To help you, the community out there, get more from this episode and engage more closely with those working in blockchain in Brazil, Mauricio and Gladstone are going to give you a rundown of who are the key people in the community that you should be following as you continue to explore blockchain in Brazil. And I'll leave you also with a special message from Tatiana. Yes, I have a relatively big list of celebrities that I could say celebrities. One of them, I can't deny to talk about Vanessa Almeida. Vanessa Almeida uh, represents Brazil in the Organization for Economic and Cooperation Development, the OECD, nominated as one of the, the most important influencers of blockchain. And, and Susana, Susana Maranhão. Susana Maranhão is my colleague, and she is the vice chair of ITU, that is a, an organ of United Nations for blockchain. I think that Edson Osório, he's the creator of Original Mai. He's a person that's very well known in Brazil. He's doing something concrete. He's an entrepreneur in the area. Fernando Urich is very well known. 
as well. He's a, a guy that talks a lot about crypto economy, Bitcoin, etc. He wrote, I think, the first book about Bitcoin in Brazil in 2013, if I'm not mistaken. In this area, more cypherpunk, uh, Alex Van der Sandy uh, worked with Ethereum Foundation. It's very well known. Many of those guys were nominated as one of the most important influencers of blockchain Brazil. I would say that Gabriel Aleixo, he was a researcher in ITS. ITS is an institute for technology and society from Rio de Janeiro. In the beginning, he was the guy that spread the word, you know, in Brazil. Gabriel Aleixo is very well known. There are much more, of course, but I won't remember everyone. So I think Reinaldo Rabelo, who is the CEO of Mercado Bitcoin, I think is one of the top names in blockchain in Brazil right now. He has a very strong team with him as well. Gustavo Cunha. Gustavo Cunha is a Brazilian economist, uh, and he studies a lot of the implications of blockchain technologies in the real world economics. He has a YouTube channel, which is great. He has a lot of conversations with other players in the industry that are very enlightening. He was one of the guys that I went for when I was studying the DeFi phenomenon. Jeff Prestes was an engineer and architect for blockchain. He works in a number of different projects. He's won international awards and he's one of the top guys when I think about uh, in terms of education towards blockchain technology, like really low-level coding and architecture, he's, he's a very, very uh, interesting guy to follow. Liliane Thier, she's the chapter leader for the women in blockchain in Brazil. So she gathers all the big names, the, the women that are working with blockchain. But I think I would single her out because she's the one organizing that community. And she's doing a remarkable job in bringing that community together and giving a highlight to the women that are actually doing the work in the space. I can say blockchain não salvará o mundo, mas vai mudá-lo se todo mundo participar. Basically, what I said is blockchain won't save the world, but it's going to change if everybody decides to join it, because blockchain is uh, a team sport. Thanks again for listening to the Blockchain Won't Save the World podcast. As always, opinions in this episode are mine and those of my guests alone. If you want to find out more, please feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Check out some of the other episodes on the Blockchain Won't Save the World podcast and check out the YouTube channel also called Blockchain Won't Save the World. Stay safe out there. <laughs> Genius. That was that was great. That was great.